0: Extreme athletes and monks to discuss happiness, success, and fulfillment to uncover powerful takeaways that empower you to stay grounded and make passionate living a reality. To access post podcast discussions, insights, and further resources, visit rajjana.com forward slash stay grounded. So thanks for joining me today. Now let's get to grinding. Yo, yo, welcome everybody to this week's episode of Stay Grounded. hope you guys are all having a great day so far, wrapping up the year, getting ready for the holidays and all of the madness that follows as a result. I hope you're taking a moment to just tune in, be with whatever's coming up and not trying to do it all at once. I am so excited to be introducing this week's guest, Mr. Dom Cortuccio. So Dom is a good friend of mine. And has a very, very, very unique perspective on what it means to live a full and intentional life. And he's one of those guys, I actually read an article that he wrote for a group I'm a part of on what it means to be a man in 2019. And a lot of the points that he brought up were around experiencing your emotions and feeling your way through life. And and experiencing purpose and infusing life and, and safety into the environment you're in. And it was just so fascinating for me to hear his take on really how to build a fulfilling life that's filled with color and love and all of that energy. And so I had to have him on the show. So Dom is coming off of a 15 year career in financial services and earned a corner office in Times Square. In the traditional sense, he was a huge success. He's just doing really well on the outside. But despite all of his achievements, he felt restless and numb on the inside. And he realized that he'd shrunk his emotional world to pieces. He just didn't know how to feel. As a result, he lost access to all of that infinite knowing and wisdom that comes from living a purpose-driven life. He couldn't access his intuition and just his best self was locked away and he had to change. So Dom committed to feeling his emotions. He went and dove right in and he spent the next several years looking and, and 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 really craving that color and that spark. And that's led Dom to the life he is now, which is the life of a speaker, an executive coach, and an outspoken leader for high caliber men doing the inner work. He's also the co-host of The Great Man podcast, and he empowers men to confront the life-changing topics that most people just never speak about. So you don't have to be a man to get a lot out of this episode. Actually, I would argue that women in particular would get a lot just because, I mean, we all have men and women in our lives. So I just thought this was a fascinating perspective behind what it means to be a man in 2019, how you can lean into the courage to feel, why you're probably drifting through life and how to get yourself out of it, how to discover your purpose and really, you know, how to be the best version of yourself that you could possibly be in. I think this is a great episode to wrap up the year. We have said around this time of the year, I tend to get very reflective and contemplative on what's coming up for me. And I think this conversation was really important um, around this time for myself. And I hope you find it is the same for you. So enjoy. If you haven't already subscribed to us on iTunes or any of the podcast apps, all that means is that every single time I release a new episode, it just drops right into your app for you to enjoy whenever you, uh, whenever you choose to. Join the Stay Grounded community on Facebook. It's rajana.com forward slash stay grounded. Be involved in the conversation. And really, like I said, take some time to just reflect. It's been one hell of a year, and um, I'm just excited to go into the new decade with a fresh attitude, new positive outlooks, and a heart full of love. And I hope you guys are too. So enjoy this episode. And without further ado, here is my good friend, Mr. Don Cortuccio. Enjoy. Enjoy. Yo, 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 welcome back to another episode of Stay Grounded. Hope everyone tuning in from wherever you are in the world is in a pleasant mood because you're about to get into a great mood with my man, Dom. How are you, brother? Raj, what's going on, man? It's great to see your face again, brother. Dude, I'm so excited for this. We were talking a lot about this before, and I love watching your journey. Just be one, because of how expressed you are. You've just got a way of explaining things that most men in particular are going through in a very articulate and expressive way that makes it seem safe to even have these conversations. So I kind of wanted to acknowledge you for that before we dive in into the show and in your pocket. Everything is just, I, I love it, man. So super great for you to be here. Thank
1: you. An honor to be here, man. And what you're doing about putting personal development into this world, in a really approachable and attractive way, and also putting great coffee into
0: this world. Two of my <laughs> favorite things, man. Couldn't be happier to be here with you. Well, I'm glad we're we're, we're bro-crushing on each other right now, because this is going to be great. All right, well, I already introed you prior to this episode, so I won't bore everyone with some of the the repetitive details, but I want to just dive in. I read a recent article by you, and we were talking about this. That's what really prompted me to want you to come on and discuss this. But you have some extremely incredible perspectives around what it means to be a man in 2019, right? In an age where there's, there's women empowerment's never been at a higher place, right? Like there's beautiful, amazing, strong, powerful women really growing and, and really like the role of a man in society is kind of evolving. So I'd love to start there and just kind of have you maybe touch on what do you think it means to be a man today? versus maybe the definition of manhood growing up with our fathers or our grandfathers or even generations past.
1: I uh, love the conversation. So I, I started off the article this way, which is to the men who are listening, when you hear this thing about that these days are difficult to be a man, don't buy the bullshit. Yeah. I think there's never been a better time to be a man than today. And while the rules have been changing, while we're in a a point of transition, the lines are blurry, there's confusion. There's absolutely never been a better time for men. And here's why. When I think about my father, I'm 41 years old. I think about my father, who's now 75. He never had the opportunity to ask the question of, what did he want to do with his life? He never had a chance to ask himself the question about, What are these insecurities or these feelings that wake me up in the middle of the night about what's this life about? Like his job was to put food on the table to provide for his family, grind it out for 45, 50 years. And he retired earlier this year. And then, and only then was he really able to start to ask some of these deeper questions. Now, you know, as men, we still get to be heroes. We still get to man charcoal grills. We still get to be standing up. Right? We still get to do those cool things and our bathroom lines are generally shorter still, which is a great news for us. However, we are also being asked to, to look deeper inward. What are the kinds of men we want to be? What is our definition of masculinity? How did we arrive at that? How can we be better leaders, better men? And I actually think it's a, a profoundly wonderful period of time to live in because a lot of this angst that men have carried around for years, the tension, the anger, the insecurity, the isolation are now opportunities for us to come together and become brothers with one another like you and I are in very short periods. It's not like you and I have spent a long period of time together, but a quick kinship, quick connection that makes me feel connected to somebody. And I have this all over the place. You have this all over the place. The men that are listening and the women who care about them who are also listening to this want that as well. So we're going to dive into why that matters and how to create that for yourself in your life too.
0: Yeah. I mean, I think you brought up a really interesting point, all these emotions, right? The angst, the insecurity, the struggle that usually is done behind closed doors, right? Like, you know, we're, I think as, as men and I, I know just in my life, all the men in my life have been very proud, right? Very proud. Don't like to show weakness. Don't like to ask for help and really have a hard time struggling. And they struggle with that really. So like, I guess when we're transitioning the conversation, what does it mean? Because I don't think that these problems are gone, right? Like I still have trouble asking for help sometimes, and actually a lot of times I have a lot of trouble asking for help. You know, so these are things that I think modern day men are still dealing with. So, like, how has the conversation changed, and how can we approach it in a more healthy way?
1: Not knowing exactly like where along the journey your audience is, what where I typically start with with the work that I'm doing with men, I typically work with high performing men. Men, and I came from 15 years in corporate financial services working for a Fortune 100 firm. And these are the guys, myself included, who were raised on this concept of to be a man is to be someone who's successful, who's ambitious, who's driven, who other people look to as a leader, to someone who's a ladies' man. And there's a great TED talk by a man named Tony Porter who talks about the man box. This guy is a, is a consultant to the NFL, NHL, MLB, NBA, you know, the, the, like the, t- the, the traditional masculine guys. And this man box, it's basically like show dominance at all times, especially over women, be a ladies' man, be heterosexual, don't have insecurities. And these are the guys that I grew up around. I played yeah. sports. I was leading, you know, fraternity and then a sales organization for a Fortune 100 firm. And there are many wonderful guys that are in that space but would never never engage in a conversation up front that led with things like emotion insecurity they want to have that conversation but the first the first place to enter has to be around the language that they already speak which is raising performance yeah right these guys will buy how do you give me an edge how do i go faster how do i go deeper how do i expand And so like the first place that I reach these guys and that many men need to be met is around this. You're not broken. You're not weak. You don't need to be fixed. But there, there are these areas that you can raise your performance that you haven't really explored before. And it's kind of turning inward. And then from that place, when guys' guards go down, because we're not trying to protect our masculinity anymore. And this masculinity is about being stronger. It's Once they feel, okay, I'm safe, I'm here to get my edge, then they're much more open to have the conversation around, wow, well, maybe these emotions that I've been stamping down for so long that have led me to feel like I'm numb in the life that I've created for myself, even though I have money, I have power, I have a beautiful life with a family, but I feel trapped. I feel numb. I don't, I feel restless in the life I've created for myself. Maybe it's because I've shrunk my world of emotions down to nothing because emotions I've been taught are evil. I've been taught that they're the things that sabotage me from my performance. And once I can get them to start to see, no, 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 emotions are data, you know, and they're really profound data if you know how to read it. And that's where the color in your life, that's where the fire in your life comes from. So we can start to inspect the emotions that are going on inside of you. It's, it's like opening up a new frontier.
0: Can you describe the color and the fire that comes from sort of leaning into your emotions?
1: I'll use my own personal experience. I was a hyper emotional kid that, you know, everything was life and death. It was like, you know, if I, if I was on a baseball field, if I got the hit to win the game, then I was a hero temporarily. If I struck out to lose the game, then I, like, I thought that I let my team down. No one wanted to be friends. Yeah. I felt like I was dying inside. Yeah. I got a B yeah. on my report card, dying inside, right? So the only thing that I was able to use to navigate my emotions when I was early, younger on, was when I discovered sex and sexuality, it became the one thing that I could use to numb myself out. Where I bottomed out in my life was, it was probably like the age of 34, 35, I ended up entering Sex Addicts Anonymous because it it had spiraled so out of control. And we can go into that if you want to. I talk about it openly on my podcast. But what had happened for me, Raj, was because I didn't know how to navigate these emotions that felt like they were tearing me apart inside, I found sex. Some people find emotional eating. They find drugs. They find workaholism. They find Alcohol. alcohol, you name it. And so it's these numbing mechanisms. And I think about, if you think about emotions on the spectrum of like a football field, 50 yard line is like, you know, neutral one end zone is extreme positive. The other end zone is extreme negative. I had shrunk my field of emotions down to like a few inches on either side of the 50 yard line. Yeah, You know, something great would happen. I could barely register it internally. I could think about it intellectually and be like, "Oh, that was good, but I wouldn't feel it because I wanted to mitigate the downside, the feelings of like rejection or the feelings of anger. I didn't want to feel those things. So I became kind of like this, you could see it on my face. Like there was just really no emotion. And I see so many men who have shrunk their worlds to that. And then they go and like, they, they kind of release it in these weird ways. So the first place that I like to go to with men is really just starting to even call their attention to where they've done this in their lives. And it's like, where are they drifting?
0: So I guess the transition, let's say somebody has been numbing their emotions with different types of habits or activities or things like that, right? How can one make the transition to have the courage, I guess, to feel? Because I think that that's that's a decision, right? Like, that's not something that, you know, you can buy a course on. That's not something you can, like, I mean, like, you can get help and someone can guide you through it. But like, how does one build that courage to even feel some of those boxes that we've sort of trapped away and forgotten about almost? At least for me, I've been going through recent experiences where I've been really... Pursuing experiences that force me to feel, so force me to either feel fear or massive excitement or maybe even guilt just because I want to feel, and i'm getting sort of attracted to that, but for people who haven't done it like i'm mean, thinking about I'm thinking about my dad, maybe people who are older like I mean that's a scary place to start, so how do you even build the courage to start? yeah, I really appreciate that question, man.
1: so if you have the desire like if if you've actually recognize that there's more out there for you and you feel like you've been playing it too safe or you've been playing it too conservatively or like, it's
0: just like life is just not working for you the way you want Real quick. To. I just want to clarify because you said desire. What does that desire even feel like? Right? Like, cause like, how does somebody know that they're ready to have these conversations or navigate these emotions? Like, is it like an emptiness? Is it, what is that? I guess I'm curious.
1: Yeah. Right. 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 So the, there could be a few things, One of them could be this desire. It's like, oh, I know exactly what it is. Like, I want to feel more. And I don't know what that's going to feel like, but I, I know I'm moving towards that. That's like one way. I would say most of the men and the women that I end up working with, it's usually because they're feeling some sort of numbness, emptiness, restlessness. And like, intellectually speaking, they look at everything that they've got. And they're like, I, I worked really hard to get all of this. I thought I wanted all of this. In my mind, I thought this would make me happy. But there's dissonance in the way that I'm feeling, mm. right? Like, I don't feel like I'm lit up in my life. I don't know what it is that I want next. And that's where most people find themselves is I'm at an impasse. I'm at a plateau. And the only way to break free from that, and, and you know, Raj, one of the things I think I would I would love to go into is Defining what that actually is for most people, because it can be this nebulous, confusing feeling, yeah. but there 's one word that like you can really start to understand that can kind of capture all of the essence and this, this one word is called drifting. This is the most popular podcast that i 've done on the uh, the great Man Within podcast, and it 's called the number one enemy to living a powerful life. The number one enemy to living a powerful life is called drifting. Drifting is a term that I learned from the immortal. Napoleon Hill outwitting the devil. Outwitting the devil. That's the man. Okay, for the for your listeners who don't know Napoleon Hill, he's most famous for writing the book Think and Grow Rich. There are only fifteen books ever written that have ever sold over fifty million copies worldwide that are not religious texts, right? The Quran or you know the Bible, and most of those books are Harry Potter, Lord of the Rings, etc. The only business and personal development book that had ever reached that threshold is Napoleon Hill's Think and Grow Rich. He grew up during the Great Depression era and had a mentor by the name of Andrew Carnegie, Carnegie Steel, the billionaire. And Carnegie said to Napoleon, if you want to learn how the rich became the richest in the world, how they became the most successful, go out and interview 500 of the world's most successful. So that's what he did. And during the time he interviewed Henry Ford, Roosevelt, Rockefeller, Thomas Edison, J.P. Morgan, Charles Schwab, Gillette, like you name it, he mined their secrets, wrote Think and Grow Rich basically the Bible for how to attract abundance in your life. But the, the, the more fascinating piece of advice that Carnegie gave to Napoleon Hill was, if you want to understand the full human experience, not just the most successful, then go out and interview 10 times as many of those people at the end of their lives who felt like they had left chips on the table. These are the people who felt like they didn't live their life to the fullest potential, like they had lived a life of regret. Go talk to 10 times as many of those people, mine their secrets, and write that book. Napoleon Hill, over the next 25 years, interviewed 25,000 of those people. He distilled their stories, and he wrote the book, Outwitting the Devil, which is the most important book of, of, of my life. He creates this conversation with the devil, which is a distillation of the 25,000 dreams that were lost. I read this passage in the book during Hurricane Sandy here in New York City, which was like six or seven, seven years ago. Power was out, no, 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 no electricity, no Wi-Fi. All I had was a flashlight and the book, no interruptions. And this passage shook me to my core and I share it with your listeners in the event that maybe it'll spark something for yeah. them as well. And the devil says... I enter the minds of people through habit. And through this principle of habit, I establish the state of drift. Once I get a person to drift, I can lead him straight towards the gates of hell. And what the devil is saying is that we think that we are making conscious decisions about how we are building our lives, how we are living our daily lives, how we're making choices moment to moment, when in actuality, most of our life is led completely on autopilot. Yeah. We're, 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 not, we're not behind the driver wheel of our car. We're sitting in the passenger seat or in the back seat, And it's our patterns. It's our habits. It's our unconscious belief systems. It's the socioeconomic environment that we grew up in, the biases, the unco- what you learn from your parents. That moment to moment, even how you're listening to this conversation right now, being filtered through all of this unconscious processing, that is what's causing you To live like one day bleeding into the next one year, one you know, one lifetime, and you can wake up and say, Where the hell did the time go? Typically, the only way that we wake up from that state of drift, that hypnotic rhythm of just kind of following the, you know, whatever, the only way that we wake up from that state of drift is when an outside force thrusts itself upon
0: Mm, hardship or catastrophe or anything that causes you to look at your life outside of the box
1: dude and it like you just said it's usually something pretty crappy unfortunately right like an illness the loss of a loved one your job gets eliminated whatever it is right something crappy and those can be some of the most transformational turning points pivot points of your life i know you raj through our conversations and i know your listeners have also had those moments in time when you were going through them they felt like torture you also look at them at this, at this stage that you're at now and you're like, that's what made me the man or the woman that I am today. And you would never trade it. Now, those can be some of the most amazing turning points of your life. But the question I would ask you is, if the only catalyst for change in your life is waiting for some outside force to beat down upon you, then how in control of your life are you really?
0: Wow, that is a, such an important point because- I mean, I've always believed that everything is happening for you. And that's a learned belief that I had to beat into my heart and into my mind after years and years and years of taking in people into my ears and really kind of brainwashing myself. But to me, if you are moving through your life and you're waiting for a sign, you're waiting for permission, and not just to be somebody, to even feel, which is how we started this conversation, right? Like... Waiting for a moment to feel like death the first time you cry or feel those emotions when you lose a loved one or the first time you say I love you when someone's on their deathbed or the first time you say I'm sorry when you've lost someone in your life. Like, okay, now we know why we wait because drifting. How do we transform our own lenses so that we can begin to not wait, so that we can begin to live today now with power and, and ownership.
1: So the antidote to drifting is intentionality, mm-hmm. right? And, and, and Napoleon Hill would call it having a definiteness of purpose. Uh, I call it intentionality. It's, it's, it's very similar. So if you think about maybe the history of evolution of mankind, like most of, most of our survival, m- m- most of the, like what we've been consumed with up until this point in our period of time is about survival. And survival is really about reacting to outside threats and and things to, to, to keep safety and security so we can ensure the survival of our species, of our family, of ourselves. We live in the safest time in human history, yet we've been conditioned still to avoid threats. And that's why we live on our heels, right? Which is a reactive state. And what you're asking is, how do we start to live intentionally with definiteness of purpose? That requires an entirely different level of training. Yeah, And that, that's the key word here. It's, it's, it's training. So when I think about growing up, I remember living in an environment where like if, like, you know, my parents would say goodbye to me, the thing they would always say is be safe. Yeah. Be safe. Okay. You know, you're traveling across the country. Cool. Have a safe flight. Have a, it's always about like protecting yourself. We don't even think about, right? The nuances of that. And what you and I are talking about, it requires an entirely different set of muscles that you have to flex regularly. And it can't just be on your own. You need to be surrounded by a group of people who are also building the muscle around. I'm not gonna wait for someone to impose a deadline upon me. I'm not gonna wait for an ultimatum. I'm not gonna wait for my back to be against the wall. I'm not gonna wait until I can't stand this relationship anymore, and then I'm gonna change it. I'm actually going to design what it is that I want. I'm going to envision that. I'm going to dream that. I'm going to build that. Even though I don't have these consequences or someone else imposing a deadline upon me, I'm actually going to build daily actions and activities around creating a future that I can't wait to live into. It's harder than it sounds, Raj, like because you built your entire life reacting. Oh,
0: it's, it's, it's way harder than it sounds. I mean, like, I feel like there's a period of unlearning that happens and that can happen in a second, sure. Like the, the awareness of all the things you need to unlearn can happen in a second, but the daily reality of switching that is a whole nother story. You mentioned purpose, which I think is one of the most delicious sort of concepts that one can pursue or not even concepts, feelings or journeys, or really, I think that's one of the most delicious feelings that we can pursue. How do you think, and I think I'm particularly curious for your take on this, you know, we talked. We started this conversation around men, right? And men pursuing their purpose. How does really sort of opening up the divine feminine in us with the hard charging masculine allow us to refine and define purpose in our lives? Oh,
1: I love that question, man. So I, I, I didn't, I didn't know that this is how deep you got with your people already. So I'm,
0: I'm a huge student of the the masculine and the feminine. I am. Can you describe it real quick, just in case there's any new listeners that are here that may not know what the masculine and feminine are? So
1: masculine and feminine are energies that are distinct from, from gender, right? So when we say masculine, when we say feminine, we don't mean man and woman. We mean there's a certain kind of energy and they're all, every single one of us have masculine and feminine energies inside of us. It just so happens that most men have masculine energy in their essence and that most women have feminine energy in their essence, but at any given point in time, you can be along the spectrum. Now, what does it mean to have masculine energy? What does it mean to have feminine energy? The best analogy that was ever given to me was, you can think of masculine energy as being like a riverbed, a riverbed that's empty, right? So there's no water flowing through it. It provides structure, a a structure without anything flowing through it. It's kind of depressing, right? Just like a riverbed that's empty. The water that's flowing through it is feminine energy. So the structure, masculine energy, is that which does not change. It's structure, it's containment. Water flowing through, which is this feminine energy, is fluidity. It's it's changing moment by moment. There's a vibrancy to it. Now that feminine energy, like that water without a riverbed, it could be you know it could be a typhoon, it could be a flood, it could be it could be disastrous. So they need to work together. Yeah. Some simple examples, and then we'll move on. Here is. Masculine energy is very linear. It's focused. It's, I set a goal, I crush a goal. Here are the steps towards that goal. Feminine energy is much more in the flow. It's intuition. It's, it's emotional. Masculine energy is logical and rational. Right. That should probably give someone who's never heard of this before kind of like yeah. a baseline. Now, when it comes to purpose, which... is really like one of the big magnets of how men find me. Because like, you know, I I spent 15 years working in a corporate career. I had it all. I had this like corner office in Times Square, uh, overlooking where the ball drops in New Year's. I ran a $1.4 billion sales organization. I had like a lot of opportunity in front of me and I walked away from it to become a coach and a speaker and, you know, podcaster and author. And, And there are so many of those people who are like, also successful but feeling a a bigger calling they just don't know what the hell it is it's like i don't even know where to get started so where a lot of those guys go wrong is that they lean too heavily on their masculine traits to try and figure it out and those masculine traits are like i'm gonna i'm gonna write a list down of all the things i like it's gonna be very logical and it's gonna make all the sense in the world And yet they're going to feel nothing on the inside. You know what I mean? Like they're going to write write it down and maybe other people will approve of it. Other people will be like, oh, that sounds awesome that you want to change the world or awesome that you want to make $10 million in the next 10 years, whatever it is. But they may not feel any connection to it. It's because they haven't cultivated their feminine energy. The feminine energy is that, as you and I spoke about before we started talking, like that intuitiveness. It doesn't need the data. Oh, and here's a perfect example of this the richest man in the world, or the second richest man in the world, depending on which day you're talking about, Jeff Bezos, there's a brilliant quote that he has to say. He said, all of the most important decisions that I've ever made in my life, all of them, have come from heart, intuition, and my gut. He's like, if you can make a decision based on data, then by all means, you should do so. But as it turns out, the most important decisions of my life, data has not been available. So I've had to rely on my heart, my intuition, and my gut. Talk about a credible source, right? And he's talking about those things are feminine energy oriented because where Amazon is playing is he's blazing trails that have never been there. There there is no data. And for people who are trying to find their purpose and passion, there isn't necessarily all of the data in the world. There's some data about like, you know, what's lit you up in the past, what's given you energy before, But a big part of this is going to be relying on what's in here below the neck to guide you to finding that purpose. That's almost like
0: that inner knowing, right? Like there's like this infinite well of wisdom inside your heart. It's indescribable. It's, it's, it is a, it's almost like a remembrance. Like you're born with this knowing you have this feelings, you have this thing and this well of information that is technically logical. Like, I mean, intuition is logic of the heart, right? Right. So like ultimately when you get down to it, it's still data. It just needs to be listened to, processed, and understood through a different lens. But like, let's say you just leaned in with your heart at all times, like what kind of a life would exist if you chose to listen to this first over this?
1: So this is where I I love to have a balanced conversation about it because I believe that if you're able to curate a healthy relationship between the heart and mind, that's where life starts yes. to expand. I've seen people, so ch- check this out. For like the first 35 years of my life, I spent basically most of my time around people who were in the left brain, neck up yep. world, right? 15 years in financial services. And I saw a lot of people do a lot of great things there, but, but, but like I could feel the fire like burning out. I, I, I couldn't feel their heart. Then I moved into this world of like coaching and healing and people doing inner work. And I see a ton of people here who are constantly following the whims of their heart because feminine energy is that which always changes. Masculine energy is that which mm. never changes. It's like the, the, the part of you that has always yeah. been there, right? And I've seen people in the feminine energy can't get anything together you know like if they're if they're if they're exclusively in that and it's like one day they have these big dreams the next day it's like oh i don't feel aligned with that which is really just resistance and they're flopping around from one to the other so i believe in my life where i've seen the most successful people is this harmony between curating the wisdom of your heart the wisdom of your of your intuition also being able to rely on this this intellect that allows you to anticipate the future to anticipate things that based on experience and wisdom and to, you know, to, to bring all of it together. And I believe in just my sh- few short years of really having a harmony between the two, where I've honored and respected both, my decisions become yeah. quicker. I doubt myself less. I make much more bold decisions. I magnetize opportunities that come to me. And the people who I've learned this from, like the best teachers in the world, they, they, you know, the, the same thing is happening in their lives as well. And, and Raj, the last thing I want to say about purpose because this is one of the things that often gets undiscussed when we bring this big conversation. Many of your listeners are probably in a place of like, I'm sold on this concept of like finding my purpose, but the gap between where I am and knowing what my purpose is, is so broad that I feel like I'm, I'm failing. And I feel this pressure to need to find it. And and there becomes like this tyranny of you have to find your purpose other than your, or otherwise you're like a less than person. That couldn't be further from the truth. The first step that I always guide people towards when especially when you have no idea what your purpose is, which is where I was when I was 30 years old and I finally kind of like looked at my life and I said, Oh my God, this is not what I want. I have no idea where to go. The first step is to just become expert. Become expert in understanding what gives you energy. Mm. It's that simple. And 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 what I mean by that is like, you know, if you're listening to this podcast, if it gives you energy then good, find more like books or people who are into this stuff. Even if you don't know exactly where it's going to lead, how it fits into your master plan, follow your energy. And it may take weeks, months, or even years when you're in constant motion around the things that give you energy, hanging out with people that give you energy, that fuel your fire. Eventually, the constellation kind of comes together and you can, see, you can start to see very clearly what your next move is and Purpose starts to. I love
0: follow the energy. I've always said follow the resonance. It's like whatever resonates, right? Which is a frequency. If you feel like somebody, something, someone said, or the way someone's presenting something, or an opportunity, or a skill, or an activity resonates with you, lean into it, right? Because when you lean into that resonance, you become more of who you really want to be, which ultimately I think is purpose. When, you, when you're pursuing a life of purpose, you're pursuing a life where you grow into the human being you've always wanted to be, right? Expressing the things you've always wanted to express, being the things for the people you've always wanted to be there for. It's all a state of being. It's that Maslow's hierarchy of needs, self-actualization at the top. It's just actualizing our fullest potential. And we can only do that if we follow the things that resonate because you can't be good or you can't actualize and really leave your highest gifts doing things that don't resonate or don't give you energy.
1: Right on, man. And, and here's the thing is that most of us have kind of been raised and f- to follow this default yeah. path, right? Like maybe your parents told you that this is what you were supposed to do and you did it and, or maybe you did what society told you to do or what your boyfriend told you to do, or your girlfriend told you. To and, and, and like, and maybe you did all those things, you did all those things very effectively but you never attuned your senses to what give you, gives you energy. Like you may not even know. I mean, Raj, you'd be shocked at how many successful 50-year-old men and 50-year-old women who say to me, I just would like to know what it is that I like, like what mm, I enjoy, yeah. because they've been spending their entire lives building for others. For any of like your listeners who may be interested, two of, two of our most popular podcasts are on, it's called How to Design the Next D- Decade of Your Life, it's like a twenty-minute episode followed by a twenty-minute meditation, guided meditation, and I, I take people back during the last ten years of your life, so you can start to kind of see where you've been. Because Maya Angelou says, "Like you have no idea where you're going until you can really oh, see where Maya you've Angelou been."
0: Is so brilliant, man! That woman is she is, isn't she, man? I just read one of her is books recently. Phenomenal. She's, yeah, that woman was channeling source for days. <laughs> like she she wasn't speaking; she was a conduit for. For Conduit. something greater, yeah. which I th- actually believe that when you do pursue things that resonate, that resonance, that energy is you channeling something beyond you, right? Like you're you're tuning in with this universal life force that is just always flowing, always creating, always giving inspiration and life and taking away life at the same time. And by you just leaning into that voice. So I guess I want to ask you, why are people afraid? of engaging and feeling things or even exploring the concept of what do I like, right? We started this conversation on the idea of, you know, we've created these boxes. We've reduced our emotional sort of football fields to this place, right? Like, but consciously, like we know we want happiness. Consciously, we know we want joy. Consciously, we know that. But what do you think is really stopping people from even entertaining something that is supposed to give us feel good emotions. So when we say we
1: want something and then we're not getting it or we're not going after it, then what you actually have to look at is that there's something that you value more than that thing that you say you want. So you say you want, like, I want happiness. I want purpose, but I'm not, I'm not going after that. I don't, I'm not, I'm not channeling the courage to go there. What I would encourage you to look at is what are you valuing more than that? And what typically comes up is people are valuing their okay. safety, right? They're valuing comfort. They're valuing keeping what they have. They're valuing predictability. So for example, like, let's just, you know, use a, a typical case, um, someone who's working a corporate job. And I know most of your listeners are entrepreneurs, but like, you know, they could probably relate from the very yeah, fact well, that they have are a ton of
0: corporate People too. We got a good mix.
1: Yeah. Oh, Okay. So, and I imagine many of your corporate listeners are prob- have probably fantasized about being an entrepreneur. It's like, well, I would love to, to chart my own course. I would love to have autonomy, not answer to a boss. But that would mean that I don't get that steady paycheck. That would mean that I have to take the risk of going out and designing that. And then I have to risk the potential failure and then crawling back with my tail between my legs. Well, so maybe you value the safety, the comfort, the security more than the autonomy. Right, then the purpose, then the career. And so, like, the first step in this, Raj, is to actually get really real on if you're being stopped from this thing you say you want, then what are you actually holding of higher value in your life that's causing you to stay stuck in this place of status quo? And if you can start to peel away the layers of the onion, you know, sometimes those fears could be quite nebulous, they could be quite obsolete and and they were in your blind spots and now you can clear it out and potentially take you know one more step towards action.
0: Oh yeah a lot of the beliefs we've created that keep us safe were made when we were kids. And made when we right like I mean think about a child rationalizing why you need to protect yourself. Like would that even make sense to you as an adult if you really took the time to take awareness on what those stories are, what those beliefs are. I've always found it really interesting you said safety. And I think inherently, no matter if we're daredevils or if we're people who value safety, like we're all still craving safety. I think the ones who have kind of taken the leap to pursue that calling are just ones that have created a sense of safe. They feel safe pursuing that calling. So I guess I want to ask you, how can one kind of flip the switch and change the story to where maybe pursuing things that are, "Quote unquote scary or pursuing things that are out of their comfort zones can feel safe.
1: Yeah. And I want to be very clear is that safe, it's an interesting term because like you should never feel a hundred percent safe because then that means you're actually not leaning out yeah. over your edge far enough. I like the, the balance between thinking about like, like let, let's say this thing you're thinking about doing or whatever goal you're going after, or the, maybe the, the love of your life you're going after, you should always have a little bit of throw up in mm. your mouth. Right. Because it's like a little bit scary. And also that, and this is, I have to figure out like a more inclusive analogy, but it's a, like that kid at Christmas type of excitement or the kid at like, you know, your birthday is on the horizon where you know you're going to get that present. You can't sleep at night because that thing you want so badly. Most people don't have either one of those feelings in your life. But if you have both of those feelings like this, I'm so excited because that idea of that adventure, that new future, that new partner lights me up so much, but I'm also so scared that I'm throwing up in my mouth a little bit. That's the sweet spot. Now, the way to answer your question uh, that I've seen work about like, how do you build your, I think the question you're really asking is, how do you build your capacity to go and play bigger games, right? Like to, right, to constantly, and, and I think Mark Manson says this in one of his books and Mark's, you know, one of the guys in the same entrepreneurship group as you and I, He says it's, it's not through a single extreme exposure to something that's scary. It's consistent exposure to discomfort, Mm. right? That, that, that allows you to expand. It's like, you know, taking a rubber band, you can't, you know, pull it all the way out. You're going to snap it. It's, it's like, you know, pulling it, pulling it, pulling it, pulling it, you know, using the analogy of, let's say public speaking, right? Like you're, you want to public speak, you're scared, chances are you don't want to go from never having spoken in front of an audience before to standing in front of a thousand people, crapping your pants in front of everybody, right? There may be an incremental step like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get five people that are my friends host in my living room, do a 20-minute unscripted thing. I'm going to be nervous. But that's like one rep. It's like picking up the weights, boom, rep done. And then you level it up from there. And doing that regularly, this goes back to like your training, your practice. Regularly exposing yourself to that, then all of a sudden, you know, you look back six months ago and you're like, that thing that used to scare me that kept me up at night, that made me throw up in my mouth. I laugh at that. I scoff at that now because I'm playing such a bigger game. And I know I mean, you're smiling as you're saying this because like you're probably thinking about your last few years and you're like, oh my gosh, that thing that scared me, you laugh at it now. And the stuff that scares you right now, next year, you're going to be like, I can't believe that even worked me up a little bit.
0: Your relationship to those experiences is all relative. Like what you might find terrifying might be something that comes easy for me and vice versa. Like I'm thinking about my, like the scariest thing I think I ever did was when I first decided I wanted to be an entrepreneur, I bought this course that taught people how to start a software company from scratch. And in the course, they said, you need to cold call people and ask them their biggest pains. Never done that in my life. And I remember like literally shaking before I had gotten on a, on the phone call and I, and he picked up the phone and he was really nice. And then all of a sudden I felt this massive amount of life, like something that almost made Mm. me throw up, throw up, then created the, like the, the green grass that's so lush and like just that excitement, right? It like, it like opened up a well. And to this day, I don't know if I've felt it's, it's, it's interesting that something so small, even it's almost like that first crack right? Like it doesn't need to be something big to experience that first crack. The first crack can be a tough conversation. It can be a bold ask. It can be a promise to yourself, a social promise to yourself. It can be something that's done in a, in, in, in a micro fashion. But once you, I think, I think you're, right. I think once you taste it, I think when you taste something, that's what really opens up Pandora's box. You Can't unsee the taste.
1: Yeah, you can't unfe- you can't untaste you can't- the taste, right? You just want more of it. It's yeah. savory, yeah. right?
0: It's-, it's delicious. I love that word to just describe stuff right now. I don't know why it's like on my mind, but um, <laughs> it's just a delicious way to live, man. So tell me more about one thing I admire most about you. One, you've got a incredible level of compassion with the way that you speak about these really tough topics, which I think makes it really safe, or it feels safe for even me, like, somebody who does go out there and really invest in kind of like exploring those emotionals. But like, I remember when I read your article, I was like, wow, Dom is, Dom is really, really, really doing some amazing work, man. So can you talk a little bit about your podcast, kind of the the work you're doing and, and kind of just where you are in the world and how we can be a part of this amazing purpose-driven life you're creating?
1: Thank you brother for those,
0: those really kind words. You know, compassion is
1: something that I, I I've recognized that m- people are, are desperately craving in their lives right now. And the reason why I'm able to channel so much, well, why while, while it's such a, a natural thing for me, part of it was just being raised by amazing parents and having a wonderful sister, but also like, hitting my own bottom and really being humbled and humiliated. Like I, I mentioned to you earlier about through the uh, Sex Addicts Anonymous and having, have, have, having been this guy who built his entire life around like projecting nothing but strength But then privately having this thing that kind of collapsed my life for a period of time, it really forced me to be humble. And I relied on so many beautiful men and women in my life who helped to build me back up that I could start to see, I I can see almost, you know, just through a 30 second conversation with someone like where they're struggling in their lives, like where they need compassion. And I found that like by providing that to people, they let the guard down, they take the armor off and, and then they start to share. And that's like the very genesis of their, of their upgrade process or their healing process, whatever language works for you. So the, you know, the podcast, which is called The Great Man Within is really like a, an invitation. It's a magnet to men primarily, even though half our audience is women, men who are just starting to ask those deeper questions around like, what do I want from this life? have i designed my life the way that i've have i intentionally designed my life or is it just a life of default there's this quote that i saw a few years ago about the definition of hell and the, the definition of hell is that at the end of your life the man that you became meets the man that you could have mm. become right at the end of your life the man that you became meets the man that you could have become now napoleon hill interviewed 25,000 of the man that you became the man that you could become is what I call the great man within right like i believe that every one of us has two men living inside of us the good enough man right like hey life is good enough i'm making good enough money things are okay i'm comfortable even though i want more you know like i have desires for more money more success more fame more you know like a vibrant sex life i want these things but i'm actually not going to go after them because i have to fear reject i have to face potential rejection failure temporarily looking bad right giving up some safety giving up what i have so people will actually just settle for a life of you know being the good enough guy and settle for a life of just incremental movements one way or the other you know years bleeding into one another but the men that i'm interested in talking to are the ones who are interested in calling upon that great man that's within them and every guy has experienced yep. the great man within him at some point in time, right? Like, you know this, Raj, right? It's, it's, it's like that guy that shows up fully, fully. Like you've never experienced yep. that kind of courage before. It was the guy that like knew what that next step was. This was the guy that people follow. You know what I mean? Like when those words leave your mouth that you feel like you're channeling from source and other people, like the women in your life are magnetized to you. Your kids listen to you. Your business flows to you. That's when the great man shows up. Now. If you're not listening to him, he can be a bit of a bastard in trying to get your attention, right? Like he, that's where like these migraines come from, back pain comes from. He's the guy that will strip motivation from you on the thing that you used to love, like money or fame, whatever. He'll take that away from you because he's trying to get your attention. Most of us won't even listen to that. Like we'll just continue drifting. He'll intervene. I'm here calling for men to step into that great man that's inside of him.
0: I love that so much, man. you know, I share this in our communities, but um, have you watched the um? Have you watched the Matthew McConaughey Oscar acceptance speech where he won the Oscar acceptance for Dallas Buyers Club, and he's like, "There's three things I need in my life: something, something to look up to, something to look forward to, and someone to chase." That someone mm. to chase, you know. He had a mentor who asked him, you know, in you know, who's his hero, and he didn't really have an answer, and he said, "Oh, it's me in ten years." and then when he turned you know 10 years later the same person asked him who's your hero he said oh it's me in 10 years and it was just it was always this idea of of an aspirational version of yourself that has all of the things you want in your life whether it's the beautiful family the loving marriage the business the impact the fulfillment that person has it and i think that's just a great and you the way you described it, it chills up my spine Because it brings it back to this idea that that person is already inside us. Like we we don't have to wait for the money. We don't have to wait for the success. We don't have to wait to be anywhere to be this hero, this this man or this woman or this person or this spirit, whatever. Like we don't have to wait. We can be it today. He's already shown up. She's already shown up. Like 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 that
1: that like you said is there. And, and what you need to start attuning yourself to is like, are the signals that that great man or that great woman inside of you is trying to send to you when you're not, when you're not living mm. him or her, right? Like, and then, like I was saying before, those signals can be like physical pain, migraines, back pain. It means that you're, you're out of alignment, stomach, digestional issues. It, it, these are signals that you are not living the life that you're supposed to be. When you're, when it's hard for you to wake up in the morning and get out of bed, and mobilize, or if you find yourself settling in relationships that just aren't serving you, or you're doing a job for a paycheck, or taking on clients that you hate, like, these are all, say, like, the the great man inside of you isn't going to stand for that. The great woman inside of you isn't going to stand for that. And they're going to wake you up at some point. But also pay just as close of attention to when you are living that person, right? And that usually shows up when, it's almost like that mm. flow state. There's like a selflessness. There's a timelessness aspect. Things are effortless. There's a richness to the experience that you're living. And like my mission is to help people find that great man inside of them. To do, like to, to actually know what that person looks like 10 years from now and then the 10 years after that. And for anyone who's like really inspired by this conversation, I won't say anything more than this, but go to thegreatmanmastermind.com. Take a look. And if it lights your fire, you'll see. I like love the next it, man. Right we'll
0: there. make all of these links available in the show notes for anybody frantically writing down notes. Dom, I got one last question for your brother. In the midst of everything you've experienced, everyone you're helping, and everywhere you're going, how do you stay grounded?
1: I am a huge proponent of daily practices, particularly morning and evening routines. My morning routine is the thing that keeps me so grounded. So that I, when I wake up, I get out of bed. I do the things that set me up for the next 16, 17, 18 hours of purpose, passion, performance, peace of mind, right? So my morning routine looks like I wake up, I make my bed. I go and I put on my cup of coffee, Mm -hmm. my friend. I do breathing techniques that take me five to eight minutes, Wim Hof style, that actually that get me activated in the morning, Uh, cold shower, meditation, and journaling. I go into much more detailed conversations about this. I actually have a podcast called 11 Ideas for Your Morning Routine. And maybe Raj, I'll send this to you as well. One of our most popular downloads is is like five practices to make you a mentally tougher man that have a lot of the detail on this. So it's a com forward slash five practices that keep me grounded. And Brian, who's my podcast partner, like we we
0: do these on the daily. I love it, man. I just love how inspired in tune. I love how you're living your own, just, you're just, you're living your own truth and I I can feel it. I can see it. I can sense it. And I'm just grateful, man. I'm grateful that we got to spend this time together. I'm grateful that we got to go down the rabbit. I'm glad this was the conversation we had. (laughs) I'm glad, I'm glad this is the direction it went. And um, I'm very grateful, man. So thank you so much for being here. I'm glad we didn't rush it, man. Remember last time we were all going to have about like 35, 40 minutes. You were good call
1: by you on that, dude.
0: Yeah, absolutely, brother. Well, everybody, that is a wrap for this week's episode of Stay Grounded. I'm your host, Raj. This is your new friend, Dom. And from us, Stay Grounded. We'll chat soon. Thanks for joining us today on this episode of Stay Grounded. I hope you found this interview helpful as you create your own ways to live an extraordinary life.